Welcome back to the Devin Kershaw Show. I'm Nat Hers with Faster Skier. We are thrilled to have Devin's spouse, Kristen Stormer Styra, joining us today. Styra is a world championship and winter Olympic medalist. We're here today to break down the results from the Women's 10K Classic at the Beijing Olympics, where Therese Johag narrowly edged out Kartuniskinen of Finland for the gold medal. You'll have to excuse the audio from me for this episode. Things are a little hectic with transport and recording on the go here in Beijing, so you get what you pay for. Stay with us. This episode of the Devin Kershaw Show is brought to you by Boulder Nordic Sport the industry-leading resource for cross-country skiing equipment, waxing, stone grinding, and hand-selected skis. If you're looking to tour at a local park, finish your 15th Berkey in style, or aiming for the next Olympic team, Boulder Nordic Sport's passionate staff can help you get the perfect gear for your cross-country skiing experience. Visit boldernordic.com to shop one of the biggest selections of ski gear in the country and download a digital copy of the annual BNS magazine. Check out the Boulder Nordic YouTube channel for extensive waxing how-tos. Ski inventory is challenging this season, but Boulder Nordic Sport is receiving new gear every week, including the new floor-free race waxes from Holman Cole and Rody. Check out your options at boldernordic.com. Nice. You look like you're about to rob the bank. I am. Don't do, don't, don't do that in China. It's probably worse uh, than, you- been than robbing a bank in China right now. That's true. <laughs> yeah uh well i will just say that everything is so cheap here that you don't have to rob a bank we went i went to uh i went out to dinner with my estonian friends last night and we it was like this kind of fancy chinese restaurant in the fancy hotel where the media center is and i was like i don't have an expense account bros what am i getting myself into and then i guess i was like i guess i'm getting myself into this five dollar epic best eggplant i've ever had in my life which i'm definitely on my way to go do now so anyway Audience doesn't want to hear about that. Um, nice to meet you, Kristen. Um, maybe I've asked you some uncomfortable questions in a press conference like 10 years ago, but hopefully you don't remember. So, For sure she doesn't. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't either. So, um, Cool. Should we, uh, should we do this? Yeah, let's get into it. Like, oh my God, what an exciting 10K. And you know how I feel about the individual start races. Like, I am old school. So... For me, the individual star races, that's what cross-country skiing is to me. The classic, old school, you put on your skis and poles, get your bib, and you just go out into the woods and smash as hard as you can. And we were privy to an instant classic. It was an amazing event today. I don't know what you thought, Kristen. Oh, yeah, it was so exciting. Like, um, it's hard to, uh, to stay focused on your work when the, these kind of races are going on. But, um... I agree with you, Devin, with the individual start is, is something uh, special. And uh, I don't think it's only because we're old school, but uh, it is, <laughs> for how it is now, way more exciting with the individual start than the math starts when when uh, people just ski away and there's not that much excitement. So, and uh, but this was, uh, you don't see this often uh, no. <laughs> in a race. I feel like we've actually had like a bunch of really exciting individual start races this year. And I hope it's sort of a memo to the International Ski Federation that like, hey, you know, maybe we should have more 15 and 10K or even longer individual starts and fewer races where uh, everyone just kind of dinks around for, you know, an hour before we get one minute of action. That's my take. 
<laughs> that's a that's a solid take. The only problem is, and I don't know, my one criticism for the race today was it, it kind of hinges on the director, right? Like who's calling which athletes to follow because there was some great stories that we just didn't see a lot of. Like it was really confusing to see Teresa Yohug from five to 6.3K lose 10 seconds to Niskanen and we didn't see what was going on. And there was confusion with the commentators here in Norway. They're like, did Teresa fall? Did she break a pole? How did she lose so much time in the end? Teresa in the interview just said, no, no, coming out for my second lap. I just wanted to really make sure I was under control and that's a big long climb out of the stadium as you know Nat since you skied the course and she wanted to make sure that she had a big finish and that big finish was so important today and she came away with the, with the gold so same with Nepreyeva who started a little later in the start field what a fantastic race between her and Parmakowski for that last spot on the podium but she was almost gone we didn't even get to follow her because the director wasn't following that race whatsoever so I mean, cross-country skiing still has some work to do when it comes to producing these these exciting races and to tell that exciting story. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, it, it, it's like, and I, I had a hard time too, like just being in the stadium, you don't get any real like announcing at all. And um, it, it's just so frustrating to feel like, you know, the people that are producing the coverage can't don't actually understand what's important and what people need to see. But I feel like, yeah, enough said about that. Um, what, what, should we start? Should we start with the Americans and then kind of build into those podium performances, or vice versa? Sure, sure. Let's do that. We can start with the Americans, and not just the Americans, because there's going to be. I'm just going to come right out of the gate and give a huge shout out, Kristen Sicky, hearing me being so excited. But Daria Beatty, 18th place, best distance race of her entire career, and she gets it done at the Olympic Games in the 10K Classic today. I'm so proud of her. I'm so proud of the whole Canadian women's team during these Olympics. Most athletes have had solid races so far. And Daria, just to give her a shout out, the pursuit and then the sprint, both those races were her best races of the, of the season. And that's all you can hope for at the Olympic Games. But then to have your career best to date, distance race ever, at the Olympic Games to beat big names like Charlotte Kala. She was better than the second best Norwegian. Well, the second best Norwegians at home with uh, uh, recovering from COVID, but still the second best Norwegian to start the Olympics, Tyriel Wang. So there was a, it was a phenomenal result from, from Daria. And I'm, I just wanted to make sure we got that into the podcast. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, for the U S like, pretty exciting to see Novi McCabe finishing in 24th, which, you know, I know she had a really good result in the tour to ski hill climb, but that's such a, like a weird format that, you know, I feel like this was definitely kind of a statement that she made and, you know, a lot on the line right now for those skiers uh, in the U S on the U S team that are not named Rosie Brennan and Jesse Diggins. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think Novi, Novi did awesome today to be 24th as at 21 years old. And we'll get into this in a second, but I thought Diggins had a solid race too. I mean, to be eighth place in the classic, she's only eight, like a minute eight behind Teresa. When Teresa came through, she was able to hang on for dear life. She lost a little bit there in that sprint kick from Teresa, but I thought, I thought Diggins had a solid race and I'm sure Rosie's going to be disappointed with 13th in a 10 K classic. I mean, we didn't get to see a whole lot of Rosie out there because of, they weren't following her too much, but uh and then Swerble too. I'm not really totally sure what's happened with Swerble. She grew up at high altitude and I had really high hopes for her here in, in the thin air of Beijing. And to see her down in 32nd, that, that was something that I'm sure she was disappointed with and 
and uh, not not totally sure what's going on there but that's what's cool about the U.S. team right now is they have some depth with these young girls and Kristen and I were actually talking about the relay it's going to be interesting to see who they put who, who they put for the relay hey we were just discussing like who 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 to put in and and how it is to like maybe do a, a cold start uh, when you haven't done any races at these Olympics or any Olympics uh, and to be, be, maybe be put on a relay team. We, we always had that rule almost in the, in the team that no one that hadn't done a distance uh, earlier in the championship would be on the relay team because it's, yeah, it's hard pressure. And I, I'm guessing a lot of people uh, is hoping for a medal for the U.S. girls uh, in this relay. So uh, that'll be really exciting. Yeah, so I'm, I'm hoping to, I, I've similarly felt like this is a totally compelling kind of story and question and trying to report a little story on that tonight. So it sounds like they have to have their relay picks in by about 4.30 local Beijing time tomorrow and uh, just had kind of a long talk with uh, the head coach, Matt Whitcomb, about this. And, you know, when I he tell me about the, the relay selection, he said, well, I can tell you that Rosie and Jesse will be skiing in the relay and that's about it. And we kind of chuckled and, you know, definitely he agreed that, you know, it's, it, he said it's always a pretty agonizing decision and definitely feels that way this time. One interesting detail that I can kind of relate is that he said that, um, Sophia Oakley and Caitlin Patterson actually did a time, a 10 K time trial on the course today, which was cool. I guess they had opened the course, the classic track to the non-competing athletes before the race today. And they did that. He said they did not time that uh, time trial because it didn't really sort of feel like a good thing to do with the ethos of their team, but definitely, you know, sort of talked with those athletes about their sensations and, you know, it just seems like, um, you know, he, he had said earlier in the evening that, you know, they were pretty heavy into some deliberations about the team. So it definitely, you know, seems like something they're taking pretty seriously. And some of the athletes, when they came through the mix zone today, kind of acknowledged that it's, you know, something they're trying not to think about and trying not to make it, you know, affect team dynamics, but that it's definitely something that is, uh, yeah, for sure on their minds. So it'll be interesting to see kind of who they choose and, and what, what their kind of basis for that is. That's crazy. And think, think about how far we've come with, for U.S. ski fans. We are at a point where the U.S. team is doing a move that the Norwegian women's team have done and got criticized a little bit for by doing uh, time trials to get, to get that last spot in the relay. Kristen can talk about that. There's a pretty famous well, one. Well, I, it, I, but, I uh, should clarify. I, mean, I, I, I don't think it was like Matt was sort of like, you know, the, it was not timed. It was not sort of like, you know, the winner gets to go. I think it was more like get a hard effort and see how you feel and be able to talk to us about it kind of thing. Um, I, I just don't want people to get the wrong impression about that. No, but either way, I think what Kristen, what Kristen brought up is, is really, is an interesting, it was an interesting point with the American women for the relay, because looking ahead to the relay, we should get back to the 10 K, which was crazy exciting, but just, just with the relay, you look, you look, you have Finland, they're a favorite to win a medal, maybe even win the whole thing. Russia's the odds-on favorite, I think, to take the relay completely. Sweden is in a crisis. Norway has Terezi Johag, thank God. And after that, it's quite thin. 
And then the U.S. has two great skiers in Jesse Diggins and Rosie Brandon that have delivered at these Olympics. And then that's also kind of falls precipitously after that. And, and if it was me and I was picking the women's relay after what I've seen so far here, I mean, I would go McCabe, uh, Rosie, Lockley, and Diggins, but that's a huge, huge risk to put Lockley in there, having never raced the Olympics before. So Caitlin Patterson, who has Olympic experience, was racing well in the in, in the domestic circuit back home in, in the U.S. is a good pick too. But you see how much uncertainty that is, and that that's tough for a team. No doubt. Of course, Rosie will be disappointed after after today. Thirteenth is not what she came came to do. But I thought Jesse in eighth ski the super solid classic race i don't know what you you thought Kristen. yeah we were talking about jesse when we saw the start list and i think if teresa had uh one of her best days which i don't think she had um i think that could have brought uh, jesse even even higher uh with uh, being one minute back uh but um I, I think it's solid like a classic 10k <clears throat> under these uh, conditions um um like she is awesome when it's more technical and a bit more turny and the downhills are a bit uh, challenging and um and uh, so to be sixth uh, in this race eight. i think eighth sorry eighth sorry uh it's uh, i think it's a good race for for her oh yeah i thought it was an awesome race for diggins and then we had some questions actually some people emailing going like why is Rosie Brennan starting and why is Jesse Diggins starting the 10K Classic when perhaps on paper, uh, historically, they don't have, have the history of, of climbing on the podium in these events with the 30K skate coming up and the relay coming up that are important. But I think Kristen had a good point that we were discussing over lunch, why, why it actually could be a good idea to do these races. Well, I think it's, it's two, two things. At the Olympics, it's, it's uh, quite a, some, some days between all the races and to be just sitting and waiting uh, for your race to come can be just as hard as doing a race and to be out there and and compete and the other thing i was thinking about is that i think it's awesome that they they do it because of uh, like (laughs) making their nation proud and these two girls are the best u.s skiers and um and i i think they feel a bit responsible to to be out there and and represent when when they can yeah for sure and i think too like let's not get carried away eighth place for jesse in a 10k individual classic is an awesome performance and rosie in 13th of course she leaves something to be desired and i understand that because rosie at her best in a 10k classic uh would have expected to be a little higher on the results list but uh at the end of the day, like Kristen said, you have 16 days in the Olympics, which is six more days than you do in a world championship with the same amount of events happening. So I think it's I think it was smart of the two the two leaders of the American women's team to to get out there and do battle. But speaking of battle, I mean, like I've been on the edge of my seat since this morning when I should have been focusing on my my lectures, but I was secretly watching the women's race. This one goes down as one of the best 10k individual start if not the best 10k individual start race i've ever seen at a championship and teresa yoha comes out as we all know she she squeaks out a win but here's the craziest part about what happened at the front end of this race had kirtu niskanen double pulled outside of the tracks from the final curve to the finish line kirtu niskanen is your 10k olympic champion 
She lost by 0.4 seconds. You're there, Nat. You know how windy it is. You know that snow is like flour. It's getting blown into the tracks a little bit. You saw a lot of athletes skiing, double pulling outside of the tracks. Diggins was ski double pulling outside of the tracks. Tereza was double pulling outside of the tracks. Uh, Kirtu was at times, but in the finishing stretch, Kirtu double pulls in the tracks, loses by 0.4 seconds, heartbreaking. And when she sees the footage of that, she's going to be kicking herself maybe for the rest of her life. Parmakowski too. Nepreeva was double pulling outside of the tracks to the horseshoe corner, goes around the corner, jumps in the track as well. She loses bronze by 0.1 seconds. Go on your iPhone, use your watch, try and see how your reaction time is to get 0.1 seconds. It's impossible. And that's the difference. And we have, so we have two medals that could have changed colors had the women I mentioned Niskanen and Neprieva made smarter decisions in the last 150 meters alone. I've never seen that before. Kristen, what do you think? Uh, well, I, I totally agree. But I also must say that uh, especially Katu, she was so tired. And you know how it is to come in to the finish line when you're like almost dead and there is a track there. <laughs> you just your feet just want to be in that track because you can balance better and I think that was her thought that because on the last hill there she, she looked like she could fall over so uh, but I agree with how it looks at least on tv is that uh, being outside the tracks is the key in these uh, championships so uh, in this championship so yeah and and this is what's crazy to me about this whole thing that happened as well is Kirtu, the, all the women that are at the front end of this race are veterans of the World Cup. And even though Neprieva is only 27 years old, she's been at the sharp end of international racing for many, many years. She has Olympic medal from the pursuit as early as the pursuit. Kirtu Niskanen has 18 starts, individual starts in championship races, zero medals. And she came within point four, she came within a sneeze of the biggest upset in cross country ski history, perhaps. By, by taking Therese Johag and I, I was, yeah, I'm still sweating. My palms are sweating watching that. Like yeah. I was watching Alex Arnold climb free solo or something, uh, climb El Cap in free solo. Jump in, Kristen. I just want to make one comment with the uh, outside, inside the track, because in a race, you're so, you're so in your own head and especially at, at the finish when you're so tired. So I think uh, I, I also have to ask the question about the, um, the techs and the, the coaches out there, how much they were, because I know the Norwegian techs and coaches are yelling to Teresa the whole time, like, remember, stay out, stay outside the tracks, stay outside the tracks. And, um, and I just hope someone reminded Katu about that too, because, <laughs> because um, uh, you don't, you're not able to, to think that much uh, at the end of uh, a race like this. No, it's dead true. You're absolutely right. And if the if the Finnish technicians and the Finnish coaches on course weren't yelling at Kirtu to get her outside of the tracks on the light terrain, I'm telling you, man, like I stand by what I said, like Kirtu Niskanen would have won the Olympic Games today had she raced tactically smarter by being in the light terrain out of the tracks. We've been talking about this the whole time. Kristen called this before the Olympics even started. When it's cold conditions, the Finnish wax technicians have some magic in that bus. Their skis are just lights out and they've been lights out in every single one of these competitions. And that even plays even more in the Finns favor to be outside of the tracks. So 
man, big mistake. And Nepreyeva, I'm, I'm just repeating myself like I always do, but Nepreyeva, same thing. She was outside of the track for a lot of that race in the light terrain. But then when it matters the most, the last 150 meters, she, she goes to the track and loses by 0.1 seconds. It's heartbreaking for Russia, but what a race by Parmakowski. She's had a tough couple years. She looks so good at these championships and what a beautiful performance by her. And there's great things to come. The team sprint. I would have thought Russia was going to walk away or Sweden. Sorry. I would have thought Sweden was going to walk away easily with the team sprint gold medal with uh, Sundling and Dahlqvist, but Niskanen and Parmakowski six laps, six rounds each they got to do on the sprint course at altitude. The Finns are in there for, I'm not going to say they're a favorite, but they're in there. We just got a text. It's funny. That little ping we all heard. That's uh, <laughs> that's Alex just texting me and he's like, Finland, Kitos. <laughs> so uh, Harv even thinks it's a crazy day. So, but um, no, super interesting. I, I want to know, I, I want to know what texts from uh, Therese Johag are coming into Kristen's phone right now. <laughs> I think Therese is a bit busy. I haven't even, um, uh, I, I'm not sure her phone is working down there. So uh <laughs> So uh, it's, uh, I think she's, uh, uh, she's probably doing her thing. Yeah. <laughs> but like we can the, talk. The only thing worth, well, the, I was just going to say the only thing worth relating from the press conference is that she said she thought that the minute or two where she had to wait for Niskanen to come in was like the longest two minutes of her uh, entire life. And she also said it's way better to win by 30 seconds than it is to win by less than half a second. So. And it's actually funny because there was a, there was a big media storm here in Norway because uh, Kristen can say it, it just described like even a routine athlete like Therese Johag was insanely nervous for this one. Yeah. And the, the whole, uh, you, I, you probably heard, heard about it. Um, her saying that this was her last race. Yes. Yeah. Well, what happened there though? Just like for, yeah, for I, I'm, I'm pretty sure like we, um, we kind of always had this routine driving to the stadium and uh, some of the girls um, uh, are really, really nervous. And I bet Teresa was at uh, this morning and, um, and uh, joking to her, her tech that uh, I don't want to do this. Like, this is my last race. I'm not going to do this anymore. And then uh, she got the question when she finished yeah. and won. It's like, so was this the, your last race? And she's just joking, like, yeah, this is my last race. <laughs> and of course, the media uh, blows up. <laughs> exactly. So they heard that on like not a hot mic, but she was so close to the mic, and it was hilarious to to see the the reaction because toward Tedesio Hugs Tech is a real awesome guy. He's from the same he's from the same town that Kristen's mom's from. So we see him in the summer up in Lofoten, and he's just a real one of a kind, but a joke a jokester for sure. So it was funny to hear that that got caught on a hot mic and then blew up all over the Norwegian media. <laughs> so anything else to say about about Therese Johag, or, or should we talk about the Swedish performance here? I, I want to add one more thing with Teresa. I was. For people that haven't been following the sport for that long, and I go on and on and on about technique and how important technique is in this sport. If you just YouTube the 30K Classic from 2007, Teresa was a junior at the World Championships in 2007 in Sapporo. She came third. My wife here came second in the same race. Uh, the race was won by Virpi uh, Kuitinen of Finland. If you just watch how Teresa was skiing back then, she was all engine. And her technique was some of the worst classic skiing on planet earth. And if you see today, 
I, I agree with what Kristen said. I don't think it was a great race by Teresa. I don't think she was feeling that great. And the fact that feeling not at her absolute best, having the ability to ski technically sound and, and beautifully, high hip position, leading with the knee in double pulling, her hips and hands are coming at the same time. All the force is going in the right direction. She's using her big muscles. And from kilometer one to kilometer 10, she's super, super solid the whole way through. And in an average performance by Therese Johag, honestly, when, when stacked up against her best races of her entire career, one of which wasn't her best race of her entire career in, in the, in the skiathlon, but it was a better performance in the skiathlon than today. She still comes away with the win. And that's what puts her a notch above. Like she is so detail oriented. Yeah. And with, with that, I think, I think what we see now at the, this championship is like, she knew that double polling was her weakest part and to see how, like, I think she, she won the pursuits by her double pulling into the ski exchange. And now today she's winning because she has that awesome finish. She, she's smart enough to save some energy because she's seen that, like, if you watched Nordic Combined yesterday, it's like things happen in that last climb and over the stadium, it's a long finishing stretch. So I think that was in uh, her, her plan. And, um, and she just, she makes this plan and she just does it. It's like, yeah, uh, really impressed. Can I throw in one other sort of random fact that I, I learned today that I, I think listeners will find interesting. Um, I just had a chance to talk to the Swedish coach or the Finnish coach after the race. His name is like Timu Parsonen or something like that. And uh, I was asking him sort of a little bit about sort of the preparations. And he said the Finns spent 80 to 90 days at altitude this summer in Europe, which just struck me as like, especially given the conversation we had about the Norwegian preparation, like it's a lot of time. But you know what? Parmakowski has been doing that for years. So has Kirtu Niskanen. She's been doing that for years. The other person that's been doing that for years and years and years is Therese Johag. And it's not surprising that these girls come to play and they're ready. And I think as we transition to the Swedish women, we also have to remember, yes, it's incredibly disappointing that, that huge stars like Ebba Anderson is back in sixth and, and Frida Carlson falls apart completely to come 12th. But you have to remember, Ebba Anderson, she's only 24 years old, or she's turning 25, and Frida is 21. So these girls are or 22. So she, these girls are super young. They haven't had years and years and years to prepare at altitude. They haven't been using altitude as their preparation, as the, as the cornerstone of their preparation for the last two world championships, because they were in Seefeld, which is 1,000 meters, not altitude. Oberstorf, which is 1,100 meters, not altitude. And they came away from both those championships with oodles and medals in the distance events. So you've got to understand that the Swedish women's team, even though they're, they're giants of the sport, Frida Carlson, Ebba Anderson, they're the, some of the best Sweden's ever had in distance. Uh, they're really, really young, and they just don't have that breadth of experience, and their preparation hasn't been, quote-unquote, as optimal as it could be but how can we say that when they have so many individual medals from the other championships at home no it is for sure true like age in this uh, altitude game is a is a big part of it at the same time i must say i'm i'm really disappointed with what frida is delivering because she's skiing bad uh and uh, and i think uh it seems like 
it took a lot of energy for her to do the 15k and for sure also mentally um she is has been talking about uh, medals she's been talking about beating teresa and uh, and then to have a bad start and then even worse uh, second race uh, i i think it's I think it's going to be hard for her to come back in in this uh, championship. I agree with I agree with Kristen. Like it, it's going to be she, so tough. She looked so bad coming through the mix zone. I, I you know, and there's some pictures in Norwegian media of her at the finish, just looking like she is like having a seizure or something. It was like I wanted to. I, I saw her coming through, and I was like, you know, there was no one around. I was like, I can ask her a question, and it, she just like there was this like vacant look in her eyes, and I was like, yeah, I. I I can't, I can't like hassle her right now. Like just a little too rough. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's like, they've, they've really, uh, they've got some regrouping to do. For sure they do, but we, we have to say this and I know it's probably going to get picked up. So I feel bad saying it, but like, there's just something about Sweden sometimes and Frida lately, like <laughs> the drama, you got to love the drama. Like, I know you're tired. I know you're disappointed. But, like, when you're ragdolling all through the the mix zone and being helped by, like, four staff and saying you're blacking out and all this sort of stuff, it reminds me of my uh, Emil Janssen in, <laughs> in Sochi. Go back and watch the sprint in Sochi. He's in the final. Emil Janssen of Sweden starts level one. He starts, goes, he's dropped instantly. And then everybody falls, well, except for two and then all of a sudden he realizes he's 30 seconds back sees everyone falls sprints like an absolute madman up the last climb finishes third and then collapses again and like his wife on the hog has to help him through the stadium and then on a hog's like picking him up to the podium but for the last minute and a half of that sprint race he was skiing with everything he had so frida frida i I really feel for her because she is so good and she is the future of Swedish women's skiing. And when she's on form, she's very hard to beat. We've seen that multiple times also at championships, but, but now it's getting to be a little dramatic. It's getting to be a little dramatic. We just have to call a spade a spade. And like Kristen was, Kristen was saying uh, a good friend of mine, Matt Jeffries has always used to say cockiness breeds bad play and coming into these Olympics, she was talking mad smack saying that she was going to smash Tadezi Ohag essentially, or Tadezi better watch out because I'm in the best shape of my life. And when you've built yourself up like that and you put yourself out there in the media like that, Tadezi said nothing, comes away. She's got two golds so far. Some of these other women are skiing just so fantastic. We didn't hear anything from Kirtu Niskin in the media saying she was in the shape of her life or Parmakowski saying that the last few years of disappointment are behind me. I'm back, baby. We didn't hear anything like that. The results speak for themselves. And Frida is... is it's going to be quite a tough turnaround. And Eva in sixth, you know what? I'm disappointed because I thought Eva should be better in, in the 10K Classic. But I think the most disappointing and the scariest part is to see that she's 50 seconds down. She's 50 seconds down to Kirtu. She's 50 seconds down to Teresa. And she's 20 seconds down, which, which believe me, is, is quite a bit to turn around in a short time. So um, it'll be really, really interesting to see in, in the relay. But uh, both those women are such huge talents and they will be back but this is not the olympics they dreamed about i think they dreamt about the olympics like the swedish women in the sprints are, are delivering that's what that's what they that's what they wanted in their head movies 
Yeah, and it's also hard when you you get a start that you do to turn around for the team. I was kind of uh, after the sprint thinking, ah, oh, maybe it will turn around a bit because it it always helps in the team spirit. Uh, you're in this bubble, so it's really affecting you what what the other teammates uh, are are performing. So, uh, but uh, uh, and and then it, it's all this energy taken by having to like explain to the media and and also I went through some of the Swedish uh, newspapers they have to kind of like not only explain but defend themselves and and they get pissed and you and spend a lot of energy doing that too instead of uh, focusing uh, on on the next race and believe me they're already pissed at themselves and disappointed and you get into this loop where you can't find the answers and you don't know what what you're going to do to turn it around yeah well, I i'm think- a little surprised i was just gonna say i'm a little surprised to hear like you know I, like i obviously reading some of those scandinavian like newspapers here but like not able to follow them like super in depth like before i got here and I, i'm just a little surprised like that this you know at 22 that Frida doesn't have someone sort of counseling her about like, you know, maybe you better like dial it back and, and, you know, like set the expectations a little lower. I mean, maybe that's just the Swedish style to be really out there in the media, but it just, it seems like, you know, there should be sort of a guiding hand there that would be helping her not sort of step in it in this way. I'm sure that that there is, I I know there are media person. She's awesome. So I've, I've been, but it's uh, you're young, and it's easy to just you get some questions, and yeah, you want to be, <laughs> you want to show that, you, and 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 that I, I kind of like that too because it. because you have a lot of uh, shy girls don't want to put their, themselves out there. But I also <laughs> think if you're not good at just leaving it with that, if you if yourself go into a championship thinking that you're gonna win everything, um, maybe it's uh, it's not the best. Yeah, it, but I but I also think what I think is is uh, interesting that you brought up, Nat, is like, okay, so Jesse had a lot of pressure from from American media or whatever coming into these Olympics, but every other championship or World Cup, she really doesn't like. American skiers or Canadian cross-country skiers, we fly under the radar. I joked around with this with Alex and Kristen my whole career. I was in the best position ever. And that's probably why I'm a, a small game player. I was never a big game player because I go to the big game and I fall apart. But in the in the small game, in the World Cups, it, it's the best situation uh, someone that doesn't believe in themselves like me can be in. Because then have, if I have a good race, I get some accolades, some people close to me and maybe some small media think it's cool. If I come 85th, I don't hear about it. I don't have to answer any questions to anybody when I get the shit kicked out of me at a championship or at a World Cup. Whereas Kristen and the Norwegians, the Swedes, this is a huge sports, one of their national sports. You have to answer every little thing. And like Kristen said, as a 22-year-old trying to navigate that and a 22-year-old that's fun to cheer for. Like Frida is fun to cheer for because she is so goddamn dramatic. And she lays it all out there. And that's what Kristen and I have talked about so much. Like it's been so fun right now in women's skiing. Teresa gives everything. And it's just a ball of passion and fire. Like leaving every ounce of energy. Diggins does the same. Frida does the same. 
you have so many women that are just able to push themselves to like insane levels. It, it's so fun to see. So that uh, Frida, Frida likes to, to talk some smack at a, as a 22 year old. It'll be interesting to follow that along and see in 10 years time, what, what kind of Frida uh, will we see when it's her fourth Olympics? It'll be fun. I mean, I, I feel like it is worth maybe just describing a little bit. Like I can't imagine anyone who's like in America or Canada that's listening to this that hasn't been to one of these major championships. Like to see this Scandinavian press corps here, it's like, there are like 30 Norwegian journalists and like 20 uh, uh, Swedish journalists. And like, you know, they're like columnists and they're, they're expert commentators. And it's like, you know, there, there are broadcast, the, the, the athletes after the race is over, they have to go through the broadcasters and then they go and answer to the reporters and then the coaches come. It's like the U S it's like, they have to deal with like maybe two sets of questions. And then like, you know, all like call the coaches afterwards to be like, Hey, do you mind coming up here? And they're like, sure. But it's like, you know, the, the, the regions will have like four coaches come through. It's just like, it is a crazy, I mean, it's, it's like the Super Bowl. And, and except if you're not, um, you know, Scandinavian, you don't have to worry about it. Like Devin said. No, it's, it's a big deal. Like, yeah. Uh, we were just joking about that over lunch too. It's like how productivity goes down during the winter Olympics here in Norway, <laughs> because uh, everyone is watching and, uh, uh, like TVs are set up in the offices and uh, at the stores and it's like, yeah, so it's uh, it's a big deal, and, and the, the interest is just enormous. And the pressure is enormous. So do- I, I remember, like, not to toot my wife's horn too much, but um, you know, like in Sochi, I was there competing poorly, and and Kristen, oh, the first race of the championship was the skiathlon, and Kristen had her worst skiathlon of her entire career. And had I had my worst race of my entire career at Sochi, nobody asked me anything. There's nothing. I'm still get to race whatever the hell I want. I <laughs> like, it's all good. Kristen has to answer that 30 press person press corps. And then every day towards the 30 K she's not only battling those questions in her mind, she has to answer to the media. And like, is it just that you get used to it? Or I've always been impressed with, with yourself, but also like the, the big stars in a region sport when they're having a tough time or Frida right now too, she's going through that. I really feel for her. like, What's that like? Do you just get desensitized to it or, or is it something you actually act, actively have to work on to stay focused at a championship? Yeah, I, I, absolutely. Like the, but it's kind of, in a way it's, it's you, you grow into it because at my first championship in Valde in 2003, I didn't have to answer many questions. There was a couple of local press from up north when I, <laughs> where I'm from, and uh, and uh, I didn't have to answer. But I but I saw what like Maritz and um, Bentescati, and and so you kind of learn through the the process. And um, and then in 2005, when I had the my one of my best championships and did not expect it at all it's kind of uh, yeah it, it hit you what uh, what this is about and it's almost like you're in such a bubble in the championship and yeah you go through mixed zone and you answer a lot of questions but I think it's more like routine and I remember coming home and and then realizing uh, how big it is in Norway with 
yeah, it's all over the media. Everyone's talking about it. And that's when it hits you. But when you're in the championship, I think it's, it's just part of the routine. And it's, um, yeah, it's not being like talked about that much within the team either. It's like how big the, this is. And I think that's a smart thing to do because then it, it could grow too big for, for you. Essentially, you just kind of insulate yourself from the outside pressure by turning off your turning off your email and not checking your phone and, and just trying to live in a bubble. And that's for sure a strategy that that I've seen Alex do. And I've seen Kristen do that as well when they're in the championship. And you're afforded that at these big, big championships, because as Kristen said, you're, you, you are insulated from the staff. Yeah, for sure. And and I know it's probably a cliche and, and what everyone's saying, but I truly believe that the pressure is from yourself it's like the biggest pressure you ever feel is from within yourself because you did the work you prepared you looked forward to this and um and that's where the the highest pressure come from yeah for sure and the, and, the, and that's a, such a good point it is like and you learn that with age too frida will learn that too with age like at the end of the day who cares what some journalist in in sweden thinks about you like you've worked your worked your ass off for this yeah like Kristen said and uh no one wants it more than you and that that you know high level sport is just a is a selfish endeavor what can you say and and when the gun goes off yeah your parents your family your teammates your coaches your therapists everybody behind you they were so instrumental in keeping that motivation high allowing you to train at the highest level getting you through tough times injuries illness tough life things in your life but when the gun goes off you're alone with yourself and it's about you delivering with yourself. And that's what's hard after the races go not in your favor. Uh, it's really hard to deal with that when you have put so much into it yourself. So uh, that's a good point from Kristen. Well, I made it back to the press uh, center. I don't know if you can see, I'm sitting in a massage chair, which I only <laughs> discovered yesterday. And I'm like, I did all my work here earlier today. It was, it was awesome. Um, and uh, we've got another race tomorrow. So I don't yeah. know, any, any, anything else important to add here? Oh, I, I do want to share. So I go um, uh, late, you know, the, the race is over. We all, uh, I'm waiting for the U.S. coaches, couldn't get a hold of them. Go back to the press center, spend about an hour and a half there. It's like 7, 7.30. I finally go meet Matt Whitcomb. We meet up in the stadium. They turn out the lights on us while we're there. It's like it's 7.30. And the stadium's empty, dead silent, and all of a sudden we hear poles and skis, and this lone figure comes doing a lap through the stadium. Sure, Rota, out skiing at seven thirty at night in the dark. So yeah, and that's and then, but that's what's crazy with with the Olympics because you're so it's so annoying to be an athlete at the Olympics that that has to train for a race that's coming up in the future because you have to get out there and you can't just ski whenever you want. So yeah, no, it's dedication never stops even at the Olympics. So you got to be dedicated if you have the 50 K coming up like shooter does, hopefully. So no, I'm looking forward to tomorrow. it will be fun. Maybe we'll get two Niskan and medals in uh, two days. Um, yeah, I, I think so, if, if uh, we don't, if we don't, I'll be, I'll be surprised. shocked. I'll yeah. be very, very surprised. Bolshinov and uh, 
Bolshinov and uh, Niskanen are the heavy, heavy, heavy favorites. I'm really excited to see what the Norwegians can come out. Can Holland come back and, and deliver a bit better performance than he did in the skiathlon? Is Klebo back? Did he shake off the demons or, or is he just, you know, like like the big story has been in Norway? Are the Norwegians just not prepared for this sort of altitude for the distance races? We'll, we'll soon see tomorrow. But two guys that are prepared are Bolshinov and, and Niskanen. If they ski 75% as beautifully as they did in, in the skiathlon, uh, they will walk away with medals, no question. Thanks for sticking with us. We'll be back.